Hello and welcome to Radius Coffee Talk. I'm your host, Liam O'Brien, community organizer here at Radius Cowork. Coffee Talk is a short-form podcast where I interview Radius members and share their stories, insights, and experiences. We hope that this podcast can help you learn a little bit more about one of our many members and help foster more connections in our community. For anyone tuning in for the first time, Radius Cowork is a co-working space located on the ninth floor of the Renaissance Building in downtown Erie, PA. We're passionate about Erie's downtown revitalization and contribute by providing freelancers, remote workers, and small businesses with better services, facilities, and community to get work done. Learn more about us at radiusco.work. With me today is Scott Jeska. At the early age of 15, Scott started working at Waldemere and quickly realized he had an uncommon drive for success. After working a few different jobs through college, Scott discovered real estate right after graduating Barron and started learning as much as he could about the business. And today, Scott is a full-time real estate entrepreneur. In his free time, Scott enjoys going for runs to stay healthy physically and attending masterminds to stay strong mentally. Scott, good to have you on the show. Hey, Liam. Thanks for having me, man. I'm excited. I'm excited for this one because we always get into way too long of conversations at like the wee hours of the night or the morning when you're here and I'm here and finally we get to show everybody what we talk about um so I wanted to start with something kind of crazy your face on benches in Erie Pennsylvania what is the story there because I've seen you long before I saw you in person I knew your face from Celtic Scott on the benches (laughs) that's what a lot of people seem to know me for but that it was just an advertising test I um, when you, when I got started in real estate, I did a variety of different marketing methods and my competitors were killing me to where I, I needed to level up in a different manner. And I literally just saw Brendel do it. So I was like, good enough for them. Good enough for me. So I tried it the next, I literally just made a bunch of them in my garage and then the, the city ripped them all out. Like the next day. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, uh, so that's a whole story, but eventually I was able to negotiate a deal where I could keep them out. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's trial by fire as being an entrepreneur, right? You figure it out, you take action, you figure it out, you know? That's crazy, dude. And it's interesting because so many people are trying to advertise on social media and you went with the, the age old bench, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Super cool. The, I, I'm not a big computer as much as I might appear to be a big computer guy. I'm not it's, like, I, dude, it's, I'm a simple guy. It's the no hair here, but the hair here. Yeah. I'm, I'm pointing to my head and the beard because Scott's got a glorious beard. <laughs> and that is like the classic I'm good at computers look nowadays. If you got the like thin wired glasses, yeah. I would think you were computer science. I did work at Best Buy. I sold laptops there. You go. there. So <laughs> I guess I have some background, but man. I, I just, I'm terrible with like social media figuring out, I can't, I'm so ADHD or AD, whatever the term is. Um, I just can't sit in front of something for too long. I need to work with my hands. I need to be out in the field. I got to be doing stuff. I got to be on my feet. I can't be sitting in front of a computer for too long. That's, that's probably like the ultimate reason why I chose that marketing method to like to two instead of just a computer, but to each their own. Right. Well, I'm glad it worked, man. That's super cool. Yeah. So you started working at 15. Tell me about that. So many people, I feel like, don't start until they're a little later. I think I started at 16. Yeah, I was good. like, I, want, I just wanted to have my own money at that point. But Me too, man. Is that, was that it? Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I, uh, my, my parents were broke as when I was a kid. You know, like my dad could always had a hard time filling his gas tank. He'd always put in like a quarter tank at a time. They, like that's, that's, That was my dad's mentality. So like I realized when I was younger, I wanted to eventually buy a car and a phone. That's how short-sighted I was, man. I just wanted to like 
make enough money till I could afford my own car. So I started saving early when I was like, I wanted to work earlier. I want to work like 14 or 13, but I think there's like child labor laws. You couldn't do it legally. I mean, I probably could have done it on a table or something, but I just, yeah, I mean, I started working at Waldemere. They were hiring and they were paying five bucks an hour. I don't know if they were supposed to do that or not, but that's what I made. <laughs> but I enjoyed it, man. Anytime Waldemere was like, hey, anybody want to go home early? Everyone would raise their hands and I'm like, I want to stay. Don't pick me. But it was easy, you know, because everyone else just didn't want to work and I was, I wanted to work, you know, I want to make money. So did you, do you think you were, did you ever feel like you were a little different in the sense of people that your age that were probably being forced by their parents to be there, but you were like, I'm here for the money? Well, I don't know. So I went and got a job because I couldn't, we couldn't afford to like put me in football or anything like that. Like I remember asking my dad for like football pads and my dad was like, <sighs> He'd sigh just like that and be like, it was the look of defeat where he's like, I cannot afford to like give you, you know, that I did cross country, you know, when I was in middle school before I worked because it was a $20 pair of shoes, you know, that was easy for him to afford. But before that, like I, I just knew I wasn't going to ask my parents. Yeah, I couldn't really, you know, so I was like, I'll just make it myself. You know, that's why, that's why I worked at a job when a lot of people my age group, my probably, you know end of middle school, beginning of high school started, you know, sports and I didn't do sports. I did work and I still work. And I, I know, I guess in a way I do sports still, I run a lot cause I enjoy running. I just picked it up in middle school and I haven't stopped. I just got into it a few months ago and I'll tell you what, that has been pretty life-changing. I've been running in the mornings, but then I, I kind of quit doing that recently because now I'm doing like three 30-minute runs throughout the week. Oh, it's amazing, dude. It's, it's so good. It's a conversation to have. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I run at night because I enjoy like the – there's parts of town. It's a night that, runner. <laughs> exactly. I love running at night. It's it's a thrill. There's parts like Erie has good sunsets um, or even at night on the water. Like there's parts of town that have good views. Um, and at night, like if it's snowing, I love running outside then, Ooh. you know. Isn't like it slippery, or do you have to get special treads? It is. You just run a certain way. You just got to run sort of like a penguin in certain situations. <laughs> <laughs> Other situations, as long as you have speed and momentum, you're pretty good, you know. Um, but use your head. I've maybe slipped maybe once in the years I've been doing it. So, and no, but, yeah. you know. So someone's sitting on the bench. <laughs> And then they look up and they see the guy on the bench running at them full sprint oh, in dude, the middle I of the should night. Do that. I should I should a little video of that. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, dude. So tell me about your first property when you, after graduating, you discovered real estate entrepreneurship. You probably realized that it was a very lucrative business, and and you're you do wholesale, right? So I would I want tell me about your first property, and then let's talk about wholesale and what that is. Because my first deal ever was a wholesale deal. Um, I didn't have any money to start. I started out with nothing because I had like negative nothing. I had like at this point $60,000 of debt from Penn State Baron um, and then like a car loan and my rent was 1200 bucks a month. So I was spending three grand a month to keep my head above water before I could even feed myself, you know. So like I got a $50,000 a year job, which makes 5K a month-ish. So I'd spend I after taxes I made you know about forty five hundred bucks I'd spend three I'd keep like maybe five hundred bucks a month you know what I mean it wasn't I did not increase my lifestyle at all. I was like there's got to be a better way and I discovered um, Max Maxwell um, on YouTube and he just I learned how to do it through him on YouTube wow put a property under contract for one thirty I lived in at this time I moved out of Erie I lived in Providence or I lived in um, Fall River Massachusetts which is right next to where 
I did the first deal in Providence, Rhode Island. Like Massachusetts and Rhode Island are like really close to each other. It's kind of like northeast of New York border, you know. Did my first deal, put on our contract for one thirty. Think I sold it for one thirty five. Made five thousand bucks. Boom. Nice. No money down. No money down. Put that's, down a dollar. That's crazy. So wholesale is like, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like you get someone to write a sign a contract that says I'll sell it to you for X. And then you find someone else that says, I'll buy it from you from Y. Duh. And then you keep the difference. You arbitrage the difference between the purchase price and the sale price. Is that? Yeah. Wow. So, um, that was my first deal. That sounds so good. It sounds too good to be true. What keeps people from doing it, do you think? They might think it's illegal or they might not have the confidence to do it. And there's also a lot of intricacies and there is compliance on how to do it correctly. I would probably be proud to say that I've mastered that because I've, I ethically care about how to do it right, the right way because it's congruent with my character. I want to do things the right way. And the second part of that is um, it's, uh, it's not easy to find discounted properties. It is very difficult. And I advertise a lot. It's hard for me to find good deals. It's tough. So it's tough. That's probably the hardest reason is most people won't do the hard things they need to do. You know, it's tough. Yeah, people don't like doing the hard stuff. That's why most people aren't jacked with six-pack abs. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm not yet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, dude, consistency. There's um, people I've surrounded myself with that are very consistent with their health, and I've just copied what they've done, you know? So consistency, I think, is important. And you, you know a lot of successful people. Are they? Are most of them pretty healthy physically? Yes. yes. Um, I think there's obviously exceptions to that rule. Of course. But... Um, as far as health is concerned, I've noticed a common trait is a lot of them definitely take care of their health in some respect, 100%. Because they like cigars, though. What's up with that? I don't smoke cigars. I don't. I don't drink alcohol. Like you might. I mean, some people do, and I'm not. I'm not knocking <laughs> it at all. It's just not who who doesn't work for me. But I think know? when I think real estate investor, I think a dude with a cigar in his mouth. Do you think the Monopoly man smoking? It, not a, even the Monopoly. I, I think of honestly. I think of tight suit, gelled back hair, and cigar. Yeah. Not me. Not I have you. no hair. And I have no cigars. <laughs> <laughs> you still, you still look good though. You still oh, look very good. Julian. Yeah, man. Of course, yeah. of course. Yeah. So, so yeah, yeah. you're learning on YouTube, but someday you realize that there's other people that you can hire that know more than you. They can help you bridge the gap. So, tell me about hiring coaches and how you fell into that. No different than in sports when you were a kid. I mean, these people would, these kids would have a coach that been there done that so that coach was able to fast track their knowledge and how to block the soccer ball from going into the goal how to hit the baseball right with the bat you know they they were they knew it and they just taught it right so the same thing is applicable for many areas of life in my opinion it's it's mentally it's it's your health it's your you know whatever so in real estate you can only get so much out of like a youtube video you know so i learned quite a bit through youtube and google but in taking action, but to really level up on a, like a fast, like fast track, my knowledge and my experience, like it was, it was, it was like a, it's like a cheat code. If, if I can just pay somebody to teach me something that I don't even know that I should know, you know, it just, it, it fast tracked my knowledge by hiring somebody that's been there, done that smarter than me, take their advice, do what they said, and then just do it. So at, w at what point after your first deal did you start hiring coaches? I think my second deal, I, I got a mentor. And uh, I started splitting deals with him because I didn't have any money. 
I said, like, my first deal made 5000 bucks, but that was enough to float me for a month while I quit my job, you know? So, Did you quit your job right then and there? Pretty much. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a whole story of itself. But, um, yeah, I, I quit my job because I couldn't stand working there. But We've got time if you want to get into that or we can... The quitting the job? Yeah. Um, that's not as... I don't think that's as juicy of a story, but um, as what else we might get into. But, um, yeah, I just... Um, I did my first deal in my, um, I hired a, I didn't hire, I just started splitting deals with a guy who's done that before. I think I split like two, three, four or five deals with them before I was like, okay, I'm on my own again. And then again, I'm like, you know, I really should hire somebody or, or, or continue to split deals because I know so little compared to these guys, you know, and I, the more, you know, the little more, what's that saying? The more you learn, the more you earn. So that's why. So that was, you said like your second deal and then. Did you, did you just ride with that one coach or did you eventually like find more people to, to mentor with or? Um, I did hire, there's like mentors and coaches and I think I would separate the two of them between, um, a mentor, like really kind of takes you under a wing. A coach like is like a sniper. They find something that's wrong specifically and they can diagnose what the issue is and knock it out. So I've hired coaches to see what's wrong with my mind frame here or what's wrong with my mindset and they would tell me and it's always hard to digest it it's like the doctor giving a bad tasting medicine to their patient they don't want to swallow it but they feel like they should you know or they should in order to like move on and get past it can you remember any like major breakthroughs that you had or any things that you figured out about yourself yeah associating pain and pleasure to things so i learned um pain the two biggest motivators for human beings from what i was taught is pain and pleasure. So, um, the I'm trying to think of how to best put this, I was self, I don't know, I was listening to people that I did not want to trade places with, and uh, they were just trying to pull me down basically down to their level. You know, I was excelling, and those people were not, so they wanted me down to their level, which is very common, unfortunately, but that's the way a lot of people are. And the coach said, um, you, You've listened to them, you've learned to associate. Uh, pain to succeeding and you've learned to associate pleasure to failing you know and everyone has like a it's like a thermostat it's like how, how high do you go until you reach your your set temperature and then you just go back down and you so people only go to like earn certain amounts so those coaches and mentors were able to like break through those things for me to where like they like try to associate earning money and serving customers and to not not to like negativity but associated to positivity it's hard to like give good examples for that but yeah that's that's probably like that's been a big breakthrough for me is pain and pleasure like humans are driven and humans are driven more by pain than they are by pleasure like if you put your hand on a hot stove how quickly will you take it away instantly, instantly. right yeah but if you put your hand um in like a bubble bath like you know you know what i mean it's like how motivated are you to do go to one or go away from the other does that make sense for sure so. i think that the mental game there is really important because to to be successful in anything really you got to become used to the pain because staying here in the office till 2 a.m is not pleasurable generally um that's great. So, like every, including this morning, I usually do a cold plunge because it is very unpleasant. Do you, do you plunge, plunge, or do you shower? Um, I get into a tub that's like a, uh, I don't know, I think it's like twenty, two hundred gallons or something. Like you've that. got, you've got a plunge tub. I have, yeah. That's I've awesome. Had it for about a year. That's cool. 
Yeah, so in Erie, PA, we don't necessarily need a chiller because <laughs> it's already cold outside. Yeah. Dude, it's just... I, I, so I bought a 95-gallon trash bin at Lowe's for like 100 bucks, Perfect. And I just buy like $10 worth of ice at Burger King, actually. You Great can get idea. 100 pounds of ice for ten sixty at Burger King. What? Yeah. That's insane. So I used to, my first job was Burger King, actually. Good for you. I worked at Taco Bell. Yeah, dude. Yeah. I th- you got to do that at some point. Everyone should experience that. Yeah, working at a fast food restaurant. Yeah. Working it, in customer service, I think, builds some character. Oh, for sure. I think I heard uh, one of the sharks on Shark Tank, the woman shark, I always forget her name. Lori. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She said she doesn't hire, like, Ivy League people, and she, does, and she will absolutely prioritize someone who shows one of their starting jobs was in service yeah that might be barbara corcoran then um oh yeah barbara yeah yeah yeah. she's a real estate person too Mm -hmm. yeah of course you know her name then yeah 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 yeah. i mean i've loved that show it's a great show top top show i love i do really like that show yeah yeah i think it it definitely builds character what's that saying winning builds confidence and losing builds character Mm -hmm. and in the fast food business you lose a lot because you lose your pride you got to learn it to be stoic with it. And like if someone's freaking out in, in the drive-thru, it's, which is what I can remember really well, is like you just can't let that. You can't attach their emotions to yours, man. Separate the two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My God. And it's crazy. And then you think about that person. One thing I really enjoyed working at Starbucks, because this was after I worked at BK. I worked at Starbucks. And oh, man. They, dude, one of the best learning places for me personally i one of the principles that they instill in you is to assume the best in people if someone's being a jerk to you in the drive-thru you just assume that they're having the worst day of their life and it's not you it's them right and it makes it just changes your whole demeanor it changes your whole brain chemistry like you don't just become mad at them you don't just start being rude or whatever and i try to do that everywhere so like if someone i'm close to is being tight or you know upset with me I'm just like, man, what's causing this? It's not me, right? You're deploying empathy. I listened to a um a, sh- a podcast short recently where the guy, he was like ex-CIA, and he said he was able to get a lot out of... Was it uh, Chris Voss? No, no it was wasn't FBI. Chris Voss. That was, he was SBI. I can't remember the guy's name, but he said deploying... He said he got such an advantage over business and the CIA, negotiations, by um, observing the situation from the other person's point of view he said because then i had an advantage because i had both my my point of view and i had their point of view it's like a ninja trick and i was like that's such a great idea dude you know obviously the shortcomings in us i think we only want to think one-sided you know but if you can deploy empathy or deploy like you know think from the other person's perspective it can put you in a winning position and i have done that it's helped a lot you have to do it. I think like negotiation is a conversation trying to make a good deal for both people, right? So, so when I negotiate deals, most people think I'll go into a house and like uh, try these. So most people will think an investor will go into a house, and and that's probably true. Investor will go to a home, or it's like a used car sales lot, like back in the '90s, you know, where they're just like straight line negotiation, give a price, come back and forth. Me, that's not how I do it at all, and that's not how I was taught. And this is another breakthrough a mentor taught me is he said there's straight-line negotiation and there's principal negotiation. Straight-line negotiation is when you start at a price, they start at a higher price, and you just go back and forth until you meet in the middle. That's a lose-lose, in my opinion, and I never got deals that way, never. Maybe maybe there might be exceptions to that, but um, I was taught to do principal-driven negotiations. So that's where you talk about um, 
what problems they have and how can you best solve them. So like for me, whenever I go into a home, I'm always looking for how can I best serve the customer? Are they better served with the real estate agent? And I refer them out to that because most people, that's their best route. You can get the most money as is in its good condition, sell on the MLS with, a, with an agent. That's the best route. That's why there's so many, there's 300 agents and one Scott Jessica, you know? So <laughs> there's one of me because I get, you know, it's like a teeny tiny portion of the market. There's 90,000 deeds in Erie. 10%, it's either 1% or 10% transfer a year. I can't remember which. So it's like 90,000. So it's 9,000 transfer a year, 900 transfer a year. Every month it's like, I don't know, anywhere from like 30 to 100, or a couple hundred. So it's like I get such a teeny tiny portion of the market because there's such a teeny tiny portion of people that need my services. You know, so I, I try to, when I'm negotiating a deal with somebody, I try to talk about the principle and it's a conversation as opposed to a negotiation. Most people think of a negotiation like it's a hard like back and forth. You got to play these ninja ninja mind tricks, like these Jedi mind tricks. That's not how I operate. I never operated that way. It's not congruent with my character. I like to just have a conversation and see how can I best help you. If I can be a good service for you, let's do a deal. And this is my price. This is my this is my number. Because I transparently, and I tell every customer this, I have to be able to make a profit on the property. So I have to, as an investor, because I'm not buying this house to live in it, I'm buying it to eventually fix up, resell, rent it out, wholesale, whatever, for a profit. They all understand that if you shoot them straight from the that, start. Yeah, that honesty makes them probably want to be more honest and yeah. willing to work with you too. Yeah. like Because everyone knows that. Like you wouldn't be here if you're not going to make a profit. So right. if you're like, dancing around this idea that you're actually going to take home money. Yeah. They're going to, I mean, they know that it's the opposite of uh, transparency. People can spend, humans are hardwired to smell that they can see if you're lying to them, they can see if you're giving them BS and they can see if you're transparent with them. That's why I've done. I like, that's why I've done so damn well. I've been honest with my customers. Um, I tell them how it is and we're able to solve their problems, you know? You can't make 100% of the people happy 100% of the time, but you can do pretty, I do pretty damn good with the statistics. So what's your favorite failure? Is there any moment that you messed up that you learned a lot from that you appreciate now? I will say that there were a few deals that I've messed up. I didn't, I didn't mess them up, but I could have done a better job setting up the foundation for the deal, structuring the deal. But what I learned from that was to a hire professionals. So when I started in real estate, I needed to close as quickly as humanly possible, you know, and I still do. I've just structured it differently now. Um, but um, I, uh, what I learned a lot from those experiences was how to be better, I guess. Like fear drove me to be better, I think. So like the fear of messing it up, losing money, making a big mistake, ruining someone's life, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to do that. You know, I'd rather make sure I pay the piper on the front end, not the back end. It's like, what's this thing? Pay me now, pay me later. It's always more expensive to pay later. So I just try to make sure things are done right on the front end. That's something I think that's like a big, if I'm doing overall golden nugget, I'm trying to do this lightning speed too. So it's, I'm trying to like give cliff notes here instead of in-depth answers, but hopefully that helps. Yeah. I try to like, like I said, I really try to make sure things are done right on the front end as opposed to the back end. Cool. So what is an experience maybe or an event? that has shaped your belief and your thinking today? This could be like childhood up to now, like any like major moments that you were like, aha, this is how I am or this is how I want to be. That shaped my um, beliefs or thinking or habits or anything like that. I think it's definitely you become who you surround yourself with. That saying, 
you become who you surround yourself with is so it's really true so true 100 percent. i just look at my circle when i was younger look at my circle even a couple months ago and look at my circle now I, i've been forced to level up because i've been put in uncomfortable situations where i didn't have a choice like i had a really good friend for a while we had a falling out and recently and um it forced me to get in higher rooms because i'm like well i need humans need camaraderie you know and um I need to be around people that have similar, you know, struggles, similar um, ups and downs, people that I can relate to, you know? Yeah. So you mentioned this earlier. This is a little change now, but you mentioned earlier that you don't drink or smoke or anything. Not really. So is that just the way you were raised, religion, personal choice, health? What's the, what's the push behind that? Because it's hard nowadays. Like I <laughs> am not an excessive person, yeah. but I do enjoy the occasional cigar and the occasional drink. There's nothing wrong with that, man. Oh, yeah. And like, you know, I've been a lot more health focused recently, yeah. but I've noticed there are some moments where it's hard not to have that glass of wine or whatever. Yeah. And I'm wondering, like, what is your motivator? I think it's just my body. Um, I will drink. I will drink once in a while. It, once every couple months, I think I'll drink. I'll, I'll go hard, though. You know, oh, OK. I'll, I'll yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like you save up for it. Oh, obviously. not that I sell I save up for it. It's just like if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it right. You know, so okay, okay. I party. <laughs> what um, do you what do you like to drink then when you do? Oh, like there's a few good craft beers out there, like Christmas sales coming out. Pumpkin was just out. Those are great beers. Don't get me wrong. Wine, there's some wines that are good. Um, but I, I, I rarely maybe once a month or once every two or three months. You know, it kind of depends. And sometimes I go six to 12 months without drinking. It's just your liver is thanking you every day, dude. It's because here's the thing I think in somebody, I heard somebody smarter than me say this a lot of people will drink to escape their current reality. And I don't need to do that anymore. That's what he said. He says, I don't need to do this anymore because I'm happy with the person that I am, you know. And for me, like I, the number one reason I personally don't drink is because it makes me tired. It gives me a headache. I feel like shit the day after. I don't. My my career requires my mind to op, operate in a peak. You know what I mean? It, it requires my mind to be there. I can't be absent. It's not just a job where I go to. I I swing a hammer at the wall, just put nails in drywall, and that's it. Screws in drywall, but. Yeah, I mean, a few years ago, I would have not had an issue having like a cocktail in the middle of the week. And I mean, if the, if the occasion's right, I'll do it. But lately I've noticed that even one or two glasses of wine or one cocktail, if it's even a few hours before I'm trying to go to bed, my, my, like I'm more tired the next day. It certainly messes your sleep up. So I've been a lot more cognizant of that, trying to make that better. And it's not like my, you know, current role is high stakes, but I just don't feel good if I don't feel good you know so yeah i if there was something i could drink just to feel good it would be water and that's what water, i don't do i don't drink anything else really i don't drink pop i drink tea and water i used coffee. to drink a lot of pop when i was a kid me too dude i'm so upset my parents weren't on this health kick that there is now because i, I drank so much orange soda back in the day oh, yeah. i'm like i'm nervous yeah, dude. i mean like well i think as kids we were able to absorb that easier than we are in our 20s that's a good point you know and, yeah. and even in our 30s we'll absorb it differently than we will in our 20s you know it's anything alcohol soda water water i think will affect us kind of all equally but yeah, coffee's my my go-to, man. I love coffee. That's your vice of choice. Yeah, it's hardly a vice. A cup a day, you know. So. That's that's healthy-ish, you know. That's like, yeah, excessive excessive anything is not good. Right. Yeah. Um. I and I, I just remembered this. Uh, I heard this 
dude, uh, Peter Atia, he's a doctor that studies longevity, and he says you should never drink before three hours before bed, and you should have a really good reason to drink. Like, not like someone that, like you said, drinks every day to escape. That's, you know, that's where addiction starts, and that's really difficult, and that's a serious mental condition, you know. But, you know, having a drink with a friend, like, that's, like, when you're building a memory, making a memory with someone, that's a whole different ballgame. Yeah, I, so, like, a very good contractor of mine, I, I, the the reason I drank last was a few weeks ago, and a contractor who I was, like, it was recently his birthday, we were, I was at Andy's Pub, Um, I usually go there just to, like, hang out, I see a couple friends, but I really don't go often, though. Because I don't, cause, yeah, I really don't drink. Um, it's kind of pointless to be there, but um, sometimes I see a good crowd, and it was like good to see them. You know, I made I made it a point to like have a good time. Um, but normally, yeah, I mean, I just, normally it just gives me a headache, and I get tired, and I like I talk a lot like I am now with the stimulant like caffeine or with just me. If this is a topic I'm interested in, so it doesn't take much for me to talk. You ever take lion's mane mushroom? I've heard about it, but no, I don't know what that is. I'll hook you up afterwards. It's uh, it's if it's mushrooms, I don't know. <laughs> well, it's 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 totally legal and it's not psychedelic, but okay. it's um, it's basically just a supplement for your brain. And uh, okay, they say I don't know who they are. I think they're scientific, <laughs> but they say that it helps with memory recall, rebuilding neuro neuropath neuropath stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, I've not seen the studies, so I can't say it's for sure and this is not doctor, this is not medical advice for anyone listening. Talk yeah. to your doctor. But I mean, it's you can it's not like a big deal, but it's I've been taking it recently just cuz I read some stuff about it and I was like, interesting, let's try it out. I think it helps. It's hard to say. There might be a little bit of placebo in there That's too. That's yeah, and if and if there is, whatever it works, right? I think whatever you tell yourself about yourself, you're right. So if if you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Famous Henry Ford quote, you know. So So as we kind of start wrapping up a little bit, I was going to ask you a few rapid fire questions. I just started incorporating these uh, that I stole totally from Tim Ferriss. Love his podcast, and I'm trying to do my best to, like, bring a little bit of that juice. So what purchase of less than $100 has impacted your life the most? Start with that. Ty Lopez's 67 Steps. That was the most impactful first investment of myself. That 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 Ty Lopez might be cocky online, but he's actually a very good teacher if you take his course. Like I just saw a guy that had a Lambo and I was broke and I only had sixty like it was under a hundred bucks, you know? So it was easy for me to do. I was like, all right, I'm trying to learn how to become a better, like be an entrepreneur. I was just in the analysis paralysis stage. I didn't actually take any action, but he did a Ty did a phenomenal job on teaching you basic fundamentals that really shaped my character for $67, a steal. That was the best money I've ever spent under a hundred bucks when I was early on in my career. Super good endorsement there. Yeah. You sure you're not getting an affiliate? I'll, I'll probably send the video because he deserves it. He's earned every penny of it. So in the last five years, what new belief, behavior, or habit has improved your life? We kind of touched on this earlier. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, habits um i remember being around somebody who was very health conscious and they influenced me to be more health conscious in the morning so i they were consistent they didn't do a ton but they were consistent and i knew understood consistency was important in advertising marketing uh, branding all that stuff um and so i think health was probably a big one there um, so every morning I have a kind of a routine and I'm not knocking anybody that does not have a morning health routine, but 
I, I do. I think it's helped me a lot. So it's a cold plunge. Uh, I just, uh, people, my neighbors probably think I'm crazy because I go on the back lawn and I just do some push-ups. And they're like, why is this guy? In the cold, like in the winter? Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Maybe not in the winter. No. In the summertime. Yeah. Um, so I, my, every, my morning routine is push-ups, pull-ups, sit-ups, crunches, curls. That's it. I don't do more than that. And I run every night or, or like most nights, maybe like once to four times a week. How long, how long is the run for? Typically three to five miles, maybe. Okay. Nice. Yeah, usually around three miles. That's great. Yeah. I love running, but yeah, I think, yeah, to answer that question, I think, I think consistency in my health is, is, is somewhat important and fasting too, like eating once to twice a day for me personally, everyone's body's different, but I think I've been able to stay more mentally sharp by not putting garbage in my body. I can agree with that for sure. When you think of the word successful, who's the first person that comes to mind and why? Um, I probably selected that answer to that question more egotistically because I probably thought of myself. But um, uh, yeah, I can't say I have like a phenomenal answer for that. But when I think of successful, I I, would, I, I know it's probably egotistical, but I really think of myself. You need to think, I think it's important to think of yourself in a high level so that way you don't think negatively about yourself. So I really think yeah. about myself. That self-talk is important for sure. Like, you know, maybe I'm not where I want to be in life, but I'm successful in my journey to getting there. I think it's important to envision and feel as if you are already where you want to be. And then the universe, God, karma, all whatever you want to call it, like yeah. that will bring it to you if you vibrate on the same frequency for which signal you want to get. You know what I mean? It's a, definitely a Tony Robbins influence there. Tony Robbins. He, that, when I was in a, you know, I'm only 24 and I've had a pretty lucky life. So I'm not like, it's not like I had to dig myself out of any serious holes yet. I'm sure, the day, I'm sure the day will come. But when I was in what I felt like was a rough time, listening to Tony Robbins, I was like, this is woo, this is cheesy, this is corny. But dude, it, it definitely helped me feel better about not being where I thought I wanted to be and just having more confidence. And a lot of it was imagine yourself think of yourself as if like who is that person what are they like you know the most the ideal version of liam for example works out so it keeps me like consistent the ideal version of liam reads trying to improve your you know i mean envision if you were the opposite sex looking at yourself and you were attracted or not attracted to yourself would you be attracted to or not attracted to yourself and that's an interesting thing i was that's a motivator yeah, so I was like, you're right. I need to improve my posture. Like, I'm tall, but I can. I you are tall. <laughs> yeah, I could definitely do a better job, like, improving my posture is one. Um, I, I could do better with my health. You know, I could do better mentally. You know what I mean? There's always, I can always improve. And that mindset is important, too. I think just being a, an, a constantly evolving being. So last one here. What is the best or most worthwhile investment you made? besides the Ty Lopez course, because that sounded like a good one. I know it was a good one, but it's a very similar answer. The best investments I've ever made, I think, are in myself, for sure. Um, Whenever I've hired coaches or done mentorships, I have infinitely returned on those, infinite returns on those. Um, uh, I've definitely been able to make all that money back whenever I've put a lot of money into myself. So like last year I invested about a hundred thousand dollars just under that, probably like $98,000 into my own education. So it's apprenticeships, mentorships, coaching programs, um, masterminds, places I fly to to be around like minded people. Oh, um, so you like travel out, you go yeah, out there. Nice. Like last year was, I think we went to one or two and it was like Denver, Colorado and somewhere else. But, um, yeah, I definitely learned a lot 
from people that are further along than me, and usually they're not free. I mean, um, if they if you're gonna give somebody that's further along than you your time, they want to you want to make it worth their while. So I think every time I've invested in myself, I've definitely gotten the biggest ROI from that for sure. I could give you a cheesy answer like, oh, this one property has a high ROI, which is true, but that's not going to help a lot of people. But the compounding effect to investing in yourself is so much higher. Oh my God, you can't take, you can't take, like if, if all, if your EPA just burns to the ground and I have to leave, and everyone has to leave, you know, I can't take my properties with me. I can take my knowledge and my skill sets and my grit, you know, I can take all that with me because it's up here in the grain, you know? For sure. So... Right before we wrap up here, how should people get in touch with you or learn more about you and what you do? You can follow me on Instagram or Facebook. Um, just Scott Jessica, S-C-O-T-T-J-E-S-K-A. Sounds like Jessica, if you say it quickly. Jessica. But. It does kind of. Yeah. <laughs> I say Jessica without the I, but, <laughs> but yeah, it's that, there's that. Um, but yeah, um, just like Instagram's like the easiest way to get out to me. Um, scottjessica at gmail.com if you want to send me an email. But, cool. Uh, or if you drive by a bench and you see yeah. house buyers of Erie on it, you call that number, shoot me a text. Yeah, like, you took your face off Erie, the bench, man. I did that recently. Was a big loss for all of us. <laughs> well, yeah, I was just doing a test to see because house buyers of Erie organically got more traffic then sell to Scott. So I made a business decision. Does it make more sense to ride the tidal wave of one or do we continue with the other? So that was a big, removing my ego a little bit. I'm like, what makes more sense for the business? You know what I mean? I might come back though. I might. Just with a different- I miss that like slight Better Call Saul vibe to the face on the billboard. It's good, dude. It's really good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, dude, it's always a good chat. Thanks for hopping on the show. Yeah, dude. Thanks for having me, man. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Radius Coffee Talk. To learn more about the space, facilities, and community, or to schedule a tour to see it for yourself, please visit radiusco.org.